0: Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast where we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and it is now the, wait, what day is it today? It is the 27th day of August 2016. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from the Sully Baseball Studio in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. You know, all right, I'm just going to briefly tap on this as a as a Red Sox fan. This is not going to be a, a Red Sox centric podcast. It's actually going to be more of a a Dodger focused podcast than anything. I had to clear my throat there for a second. You know the. Red Sox lost the game yesterday. It was one of those throw your hands up in the air and be really angry at the planet sort of games, um, because they Red Sox led up a bunch of runs in the first. But what was really frustrating is they just have a hard time getting the big hit these days. Think about this: Pedroia led off the game and got on base five times. As a leadoff man, your job is to get on base. Five times he got on base. Four with hits, all singles, and a walk. Bogarts got on base three times. Mookie Betts got on base five times with with five hits. So in your top three, uh, the top four spots, you had five times on base, three times on base, five times on base. That is 13 times on base, just in the top Three of the top four batters, and they combined for two runs scored. There's something going on with the big hit, okay, when you're getting guys on base and no one's driving them in. I know we're not supposed to look at RBIs. We're just supposed to get, just don't make an ounce and get on base because eventually the big hit will come. Well, I'm sorry, without waiting for Godot time. That's, well, someone's got to get the hit. Someone's got to drive. They, they left so many people on base. They, they left five runs in the first, and they couldn't drive anyone in. I mean, the fact that the Red Sox are still, they, they could be in first place by the end of today. If they win and Toronto loses, they'll be in first place. I don't know how that's happening if they're playing like this. So, anyway, I had to get a little bit of frustration out because, you know, you fall behind 5 nothing and then you have every chance in the world to make it be one of those great come-from-behind games, uh, someone please gotta get the big hit, okay? Because I can't deal with another game where it's like, oh, well, these guys are on base constantly. A ridiculous amount of time. 13 runners on base, that's good for a game. That's just a third of the lineup. So it means the other two-thirds, uh, how about hitting the gap? Yeah, just, just you don't have to park it over the wall, just a hit in the gap. How about that? Hey, uh, speaking of teams that have spent lots of money, and oh, uh, there's no way I can connect this. It's just down the down the one ten from where I'm sitting right now in Pasadena, the Los Angeles Dodgers of Los Angeles lost a really for for the Dodgers, it was a a, a bad loss for them. Yesterday, now they were playing the Cubs. Now, The Cubs have the best record in baseball right now. In fact, they have clinched a winning record. You know, two years ago the Cubs were terrible, and now it's not even the last day of August yet, and they've already said if they if they lose out the rest of the games, at least they at least they they won more than they lost. They're already they've won their eighty two games. Well, they're. They were nearly no hit by Matt Moore, but they still have the lead in the division. Giants won their game, and the Dodgers took a lead into the ninth inning last night and blew that lead and then let up the home run to Bryant in the 10th, and they lost a 6-4 game, which means that the Dodgers, despite having that, that series against the Giants, that like almost all the good that happened to the Dodgers in that series against the Giants has has been neutralized. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. They had a... When the Giants came into L.A. last week, the Dodgers were up by one game, and the Dodgers won the first two games, so they took a three-game lead, and it looked like, hey, do you know what? If they could put the aft thrusters on, then they can... Build up on a three-game lead and go into September with you know with a multiple-game lead and and a little bit of wiggle room. Well, they nearly get no hit by Matt Moore. They blow the game last night, so now they're right back to where they were when the Giants came into town, and they're facing the Cubs, and the Giants are facing the Atlanta Braves. So by the end of this weekend. The Giants could be tied with them again, and all the advantages of winning those first two games against San Francisco would be I don't want to say down the toilet, it's better than it's better to win those games to have lost those games. But the idea of the Dodgers winning this division is going to become a lot tougher if they can't build if they can't build more than a one game lead on San Francisco, because they got a ton of games left facing each other. And let's face it; in those first two games against the Dodgers, all it took was one well-timed hit for the Giants, and you know they'd be in first place right now. But that's neither here nor there. Lost that tough game to the Cubs last night, and this is a big this is a big night for Los Angeles. Now they have uh, who do they have pitching today? The Dodgers and the Cubs are playing in actually just a few hours. They have Urias pitching. I'm going to get to him in a second. Cubs are throwing Hamill. That's a toss-up. Both pitchers are, you know, talented pitchers. Neither one of them are an ace. That's a toss-up, especially after a game like last night. San Francisco is sorry, Jake Peavy. Yikes. But he's doing it against the Braves, who have, by the way, are the anti-Cubs because they've already clinched a losing record. So the Giants have certainly an edge on that because they're playing Atlanta. So this is a big night for Los Angeles. And with Urias pitching, well, it reminds me of something. And something that I was further reminded by with the recent acquisition of catcher Carlos Ruiz from the Philadelphia Phillies. I don't 100% understand the trade of AJ Ellis for Carlos Ruiz, except in the one sense, the Dodgers have a true fascination with a team that beat him in the postseason eight years ago. Bear with me. In the Dodgers, when they turned things around and they made it to do the um, League Championship Series after upsetting the Cubs in 2008, wound up losing the League Championship Series to Philadelphia, who went on to win the World Series in 2008. And then they lost to the Phillies again in the League Championship Series in 2009 as they went on to to that World Series. And... Isn't it strange that there? sometimes you see that players on that roster have come from winning the World Series in Philadelphia to finding themselves wearing a Los Angeles Dodger uniform? Carlos Ruiz is just the latest one. I mean, he is teammates now with Joe Blanton, who was on that Phillies team, and actually hit a home run in the World Series as a pitcher. He's the last one to hit a World Series home run as a pitcher. He's also teammates with Chase Utley, who's a big star on that Philadelphia Phillies team that went to back-to-back World Series. And if he was here last year, he would have been there with Jimmy Rollins. And Jimmy, When the Phillies acquired the middle infield of the, world champion, the 2008 world champion Phillies by bringing in Rollins and Utley. And there have been some other ones. Uh, I know Shane Victorino came over as well. And so there's a stra. And if I'm if I dig deep enough, I think there's another one. But I mean that's just off the top of my head. Victorino, Blanton, Ruiz, Rollins, Utley, all were Phillies who defeated the Dodgers back to back in 08 and 09, and went and joined the Dodgers. You know, in the twilights of their of their careers. Well, the reason why Urias kind of popped up in my head that when I saw Urias starting and Ruiz is catching is that of all the players who were 2008 Phillies and never became Dodgers, isn't it strange that Cole Hamels is not one of those players who were brought over from the Phillies to the Dodgers? Because a few years ago, that um, that was the obvious fit. That was where it was, obviously, the the Dodgers were in need of another pitcher. Obviously, the Dodgers not only were in need of another pitcher, but were in need of a situation that was going to be special to the franchise, that was going to be special for the franchise in the city of L.A., in the history of the Dodgers, and for the legacy of some of the players. Let me explain to you what I mean. At this point last year... The rumors, actually, no, at this point, uh, at last year at the end of July around the, the trade deadline, the Dodgers were one of the elite teams. They were fighting off the Giants for the division, but there was also another element to that. Yes, you had the the, at the time, it looked like Washington was going to win the East. It turned out to be the Mets who went on to go all the way to the World Series. You also had the Cardinals, you had the Pirates, you had the Cubs, you had that great sort of scrum that was happening in the National League Central, but you had something special happening in Los Angeles. Zach Granke, in his final year of his contract, although everyone knew he was going to resign with LA, right, was having a Cy Young caliber season. Uh, Clayton Kershaw was having a Cy Young caliber season as well. It just so happened he was doing in the same year as Zach Greinke and Jake Arrieta. So he finished third in the, in the voting there. But by all standards, he was having a remarkable season. And after those two, I mean, I had on Trishure, the wonderful Emmy-winning comedian, who's a rabid Los Angeles Dodger fan, and we declared it was uh, Kershaw and Greinke, then the rest are stanky. After that, there was a dramatic drop-off in the quality of the pitchers. And there you had the Phillies were trying to unload Cole Hamels, Southern California guy, who, remember, was the MVP of the National League Championship Series in 2008. We shut down L.A. to go to the World Series. And it was a perfect match for L.A., because they would be able to have the best one-two-three punch in any rotation. You go in a short series and you're going to throw Kershaw, Grinke, and Hamels. Yikes. Also, it would be uh, Grinky insurance. In the outside, bizarre chance that Grinke would leave the Los Angeles Dodgers. And, I mean, absurdly, like, what, I don't know, the Diamondbacks would sign him or something? I mean, what's going to happen to him in the offseason? Now... And to know that you would still have Kershaw and another high-end pitcher in the rotation, but you would also insert a guy who has had postseason experience—you know, 2008 League Championship Series and World Series MVP through complete game shutout to clinch uh, division series in 2010—lots of lots of playoff experience—and was ha- was having a fine year. Remember, his last game with the Philadelphia Phillies was a no-hitter. He still had it. And to put the Dodgers in a situation in the postseason to get to the World Series, to potentially win the World Series. This is the very unusual time in Los Angeles. The Lakers stink. The Clippers are a mess. It's not a hockey town. Even when the Kings win the Stanley Cup, it's more of a fascination. The Angels are in Orange County and weren't any good. The Ducks play in Anaheim, and they're a hockey team, enough said. You had USC football was not really interesting to anyone, and then, of course, there was the rumors of the Rams returning to L.A., but that wasn't in fruition yet, and, quite frankly, the Rams were not as interesting. This was a chance for the Dodgers, to who were best drawn in baseball in terms of the attendance, and you know, would be one of the best draws on television if they didn't have the stupid Time Warner controversy and baseball didn't have ridiculous blackout rules. This would be a chance for the Dodgers to become the team of L.A., the marquee team, all the stars showing up, all the attention there. This would be the second largest media market, and this would be the team. And winning a championship would be essential to that. Bringing a World Series to L.A. would be essential. We haven't had a World Series since Ronald Reagan was in office. There's not been a World Series here in Los Angeles since then. And the legacy of Clayton Kershaw, who has done everything, winning Cy Youngs, MVPs, except having that October glory in a championship. Now, you could maybe blame him a little bit for getting absolutely pummeled by the Cardinals in the League Championship Series in 2013, you had a chance for a Dodgers-Red Sox World Series, which I don't know, would have been kind of, sort of, awesome. Now, as a Red Sox fan, I was glad the Red Sox wound up winning that World Series and everything, but that's not that's neither here nor there. The chance to do that, and I think a big deal, would have been bringing Hamels in. Now, they didn't want to part with Corey Seager, and that, you know, that seems to be fine. You know, he's probably going to win the Rookie of the Year this year. They didn't want to part with Urias okay, but they could have parted with someone. They had a ton of prospects, and a lot of times prospects are just that. I mean, prospects. The, the Texas Rangers wound up making a deal with the Philadelphia Phillies that did not cost them Gallo, did not cost them uh, Mazar or Profar or Odor or any of their young players that people assumed was going to be thrown into the deal. They gave up some play, but not any of their top prospects. And when well, that deal happened, and I was happy for Texas, and it looks like that's gonna that's yielded certainly one division title, and probably gonna bring another one this year. But I keep thinking like that should have been the Dodgers. They all right, so you don't want to part with Seeger or, or Urias. and boy, no pressure Urias. You gotta eventually be as good as Cole Hamels. But instead, they held their they held their cards. And they wound up losing to the Mets in the in the in the playoffs. Now, granted, the Mets beat both Kershaw and Grinke, but they also Grinke and Kershaw each won a game. And if you had Hamels winning a game, and there was a best of five series, it went five games. Um, Hamels may have been the difference. Hamels may have been the difference in a short series. And Hamels this year may be the difference between a division title or not. And so that deal with the team was a fascination with that Phillies team. And they didn't bring in the one obvious piece will always bewilder me. You're fascinated with the team, but you're not fascinated enough with the one guy on the team who beat you who could help you win. You know, it's... Smart to hoard your prospects It's smart to keep your young players and everything. You're seeing that with the Red Sox right now You're starting to see that a little with the Yankees right now That they're bringing up their young players That working but do you know what You had a window of opportunity when Kershaw Was at his peak To turn this into the team Of Los Angeles uh, what you, and, and, and okay You're not always going to get An opportunity like that Now I have to say one thing Dave Roberts, the manager, the new manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers, deserves the manager of the year. I don't think there's an argument for anybody else. When you consider a scenario say, we're going to take away Zach Grinke, boom, he's gone. Carl uh, Crawford is going to be worthless. You're going to have to release him. Gone. Yasiel Puig is going to clash with the team, eventually to the point where you have to send him to the minor leagues. Boom, he's gone. Clayton Kershaw is is going to go on the disabled list for an extended period of time. Boom, he's gone. Scott Casimir, you're going to set a major league, or tie the major league record with 27 players on the disabled list. There's only 25 spots on the roster. So they've basically had two teams plus two players wearing Dodger uniforms this year. The one healthy on the field and the one sitting in the training room putting ice on their knees. And if I had told you all of these things and that Johnny Cueto would be putting together an all-star caliber season for the San Francisco Giants and the Giants would have the best record in baseball at the all-star game. If I had told you those two facts, you would have assumed the Dodgers were 17 games under 500 and not in first place by themselves in late August that and and without having made the blockbuster trade to turn the team around. That's on Dave Roberts, folks. Dave Roberts, look at. Joe Madden's a great manager. They're they you know, Dusty Baker is clearly better than Matt Williams but the manager of the year. Not the man, not the best manager. It's not say who's the best manager in baseball now, but the manager of the year is Dave Roberts for keeping this team here. It'd be a little bit better if they had Cole Hamels. Oh, but I guess they're not too obsessed with the 2008 Phillies. They just want everyone but him. So it's going to be an interesting day of baseball. We're going to see what happens. We're going to see what happens. But who owned baseball yesterday? On August 26, 2016, well, I'm going to say Chris Bryant. He scored all three times he reached base, got the key eighth inning home run, hit the go-ahead home run, Cubs beat the Dodgers 6-4. Justin Verlander is having a big comeback year. He's probably going to win the comeback player of the year. Pitched into the eighth. Uh, and struck out eight batters in uh, seven two-thirds innings. Tigers, who are right knocking on the wild card right now, 4-2 win over the California Angels. Uh, Braden Shipley, who, by the way, is a two-wob pitcher. I didn't even realize that until last night. Uh, seven strong innings. Arizona won an extra innings over the Reds in a game that means nothing. Uh, Justin Smoke, 3 for 5 with the home runs, and put the Blue Jays in first place by themselves as they just demolished the Minnesota Twins 15 to eight half lobs uh Manny Machado homered twice but the Orioles got stomped by the Yankees Luis Sardinas got on base three times and homered but the Padres lost to the Marlins Brandon Finnegan struck out 12 Diamondbacks in six innings but the bullpen lost that game four to three and Chris Sale probably the best game of the night he struck out uh 14 batters in a complete game but the White Sox lost the game 3-1 to to the Mariners. So if you keep the score at home, Justin Smoke, Chris Bryant, Justin Verlander, Braden Shipley, full-wops, half-wops to Manny Machado, Luis Sardinias, Chris Sale, and Brandon Finnegan. You go to SullyBaseball.com, like you on Facebook, Instagram, iTunes, on YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and, you know, also Patrick Kalisky. You can be old school. Send me an email at, at SullyBaseball.com. I don't remember if I just said that. Sitting on kind of a gray day in Pasadena, California, which is kind of nice. Wondering what's going to happen with a team that's playing right down the 110. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the 27th day of August 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.